You know, Pastor, I, I could hear you setting up the church when I was... I drank too much water, and I was like, I better do this now. So, good morning, church. So exciting to be here to, this morning, and was that amazing? I don't know if you were just blown away by the amount of students and kids. Just, oh, they're so beautiful. They're so incredible. Uh, we are so blessed with what God is doing right now. Pastor Kelly, you're talking about all the things that the Lord is doing and, um, all, you know, the witchcraft books and people are bringing their crystals and they're bringing all of their stuff and they're laying it down and saying, I got to get rid of this. And guys, you are in a place where God is doing incredible things. You are in the right place at the right time. And, um, and this is just the beginning. This is just like the tip of the iceberg. There is so much more that God wants to do in us and through us and in this community. We've got hundreds of people and families moving into this area. They're building houses faster than you can blink. It's just crazy. And they're bringing them to this place right in the middle of this field. We're like in the middle of a cornfield. And God's like shh, bringing people around the church. And it's just growing and we're seeing what he's doing. So we just want to... Just praise God. Just take a moment. Can we just praise God for what he's doing right now? Can we just thank God? Because I'll tell you right now, there's a lot of places that would love to experience what you're experiencing right now. They're coming into church, and every week it's, it's, it's hard. Some of them have been praying for revival, but it just seems like, why is it not moving? Why is it not moving? And we're seeing God heal people on the regular. We're seeing God save people on the regular. And, and so just all the glory to you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I want to welcome you if you're watching online right now. And uh, we're going to jump back into our series that we've been in this summer. Summer in the Psalms. How many have enjoyed summer in the Psalms? Incredible messages, and you know, Psalms really is the book of, uh, that has every season of life represented. Um, the whole gamut is there, right? I mean, you've got betrayal, you've got people that feel like they're running from their enemies, you've got people that are questioning God, you've got people that are repenting for sin, you've got praises to the Lord for what he's done, you've got celebration, you've got the hills, you've got the valleys, you've got all the in-between, and we've heard messages on brokenness, and we've heard messages on God as our provider, and we've heard messages that he is the God of the next generation, and so we're so grateful for all that he said, and today, uh, we're going to you know, this psalm is no different. This, is psalm, this psalm is going to get real, um, especially um, for those that say, you know what, God, I'm, I may be um, having some doubts, maybe having some questions in my heart, and, and this is the message for you today. Um, so I want to start off by just kind of beginning with the concept of distractions. Now, um, many of us know that life is so full of distractions. I mean, everywhere you look, there's things trying to pull your attention trying to get you off track, trying to get you to click on something, trying to get you to buy something, trying to, what, what? come on, focus, focus. What are you guys even looking at right now? What, uh, all right, tech booth. Distractions everywhere. That was Pastor Mike, by the way, if you didn't recognize him. Free Holy Spirit, he was, just kidding. I love you, love Pastor Mike. <laughs> so everywhere you look, there's distractions, right? Literally, while I'm preparing the message, um, you know, I, and they're trying to focus, focus. Somebody say focus. You're trying to focus. Every time you start to try to focus, 
squirrel. I mean, I'm literally like, I'm, I'll look out the window and be like, I got to go pull some weeds. I got to go mow the yard. And then, I'm, okay, no, focus, focus. I'm reading the scripture, reading the scripture. I look over. The dogs, need, they're whining. They need to go out. They need some food. Every where we go, life is full of distractions. One of the biggest and most obvious distractions, of course, is the modern-day smartphone. Um, how many have smartphones in here? How many have, like, semi-intelligent phones? You're not, well, you quite, haven't quite made it to, okay. Well, they're, they're great, right? I mean, you can communicate with anybody at any time in the world. You, you can look up anything that you can possibly imagine. You can Google Earth it and actually go, and I do this all the time. I just, does anybody ever do like a roots tour where you just go back to like houses you used to live in? Maybe the town, that school, does that school look the same? Oh, they, they tore down my favorite restaurant. You know, I mean, you kind of go back and you look. It's great. You can look at anything. You can track your steps. You can pay your bills and on and on. But it can also pull us from living a productive life. At the top of all of the 1.6 million apps on the Google Play Store or, or the App Store, you will find social media being one of the top ways that kills our focus. According to a data report in April of 2023, this year, more than half the world now has social media. Is that crazy? That's 4.8 billion people are on social media, 60% of the world. I didn't even know that many people like had access to phones and all this stuff. That's 150 million new users just in the last year, and the average daily time spent using social media, are you ready for this, is two hours and 24 minutes. That's like 10% of your day on, oh look, what's that? Oh, I like that. I'm like, I mean, there's literally so much time that you can spend, and, and, and we know that's just one avenue. Beyond the phones and the entertainment and the YouTube and all of the things, there are so many other distractions. Well, what is a distraction? It's simply anything that turns your attention away from something you want to focus on, and that is exactly what the enemy wants for us. He loves distracted, unfocused Christians. He doesn't care what that something is, but he just wants us to turn our attention away from the things of God. He knows that if you're with God, you're invincible. If you're with God, you're strong. If you're with God, you're full of faith. If you're with God, you're his worst nightmare. But if he can get you distracted, look over here, look over here. If he can get you pulled away from it, then he can start to get a, something in your heart. So that's why focus is so important. Here's a statement. Where your focus goes, your energy flows. Yeah, can we say that together? Yeah, you will make happen what you want to make happen. Whatever you're focused on, you'll run after. If you really want that thing, you're going to focus on getting that thing. If you really want that promotion, you're going to focus on working towards that. If you really want something, your energy is going to flow towards it. It will determine the success or the failure in your life. It will also um, determine what goals that you achieve. You have to focus, so focus is a good thing. I mean, you can't achieve goals unless you have focus, right? Because of this, what you focus on will also determine the condition of your heart. For whatever has your attention has your heart. And that's why I've titled my message today, Fix Your Focus, Fix Your Focus. Look at your neighbor and say, fix your focus. You guys love it when pastors do this, right? Look at your other neighbor and say, fix your focus. You're like, I'm new here. I'm not saying anything to anybody. 
We see this in the life of Asaph. Asaph is the author of our psalm for today. And I want to tell you a little bit about Asaph. Um, Asaph was a great singer and a musician um, in Israel during the time of King David. That's about 3,000 years ago. He was one of the chief musicians, so he wasn't just a harp player or whatever. He actually led groups, and he was a musician, worship leader. Um, He wrote 12 out of 150 psalms. Two other scriptures also confirm that he was a prophet. What does that mean? He was a guy that heard words from the Lord and declared it to the people. He was a respected leader. So like in our country, you have leadership, right? You have a president, you have a vice president, you have whatever the other, yeah, all the way down. You know, Secretary of State, Secretary of Defense, blah, 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 all the way down. In this time, you had the king and you had like the chief worship leader. I like that. It's kind of nice. You have the chief, well, the chief, uh, you know, cymbal player. You have, you have the chief, like the, the, the chief choir director and the singer and the chief gatekeeper and people that were were involved with the worship of Yahweh. These were these were high level things. Why do I set this up and want to tell you all about Asaph? Because I want you to understand that he's not new to the faith. He's not somebody that just started on his journey with God. He's somebody that was fully devoted and still he almost backslid. And still he almost walked away. That's our psalm of today. Am I excited? Yeah, Psalm, psalm 73, let's turn there. If you got your Bibles, you can turn there. You can pull out your phones, just turn off the notifications. <laughs> Verse one, here we go. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. Well, it starts kind of upbeat, huh? Starts kind of happy. How many remember there was a time in church when a pastor would stand up and he'd say, God is good, and the church would say, yeah, if you're new, this is, this is one of those weird things we, we did, you know, in church. And then, and then the pastor would say, and all the time? God is good. Let's try it one more time. God is good? All the time. Now, that's easy to say when things are going well. God is good. Maybe you're on the mountaintop right now. God is good. There's money in the bank. God is good. But you might be in a season where you're like, God is good. God is, he's good. All the time, all the time. That's the part. All, is God really good all the time? So that's easy to say, right? When things are good, when, when relationships are healthy, when there's money in the bank, that's, that's all easy to say. But we know how quickly life can change. A tragic accident can alter things instantly. A fire, we have a family in our church that had a fire in their home. Layoffs at work can take what seems to be a reliable situation and completely turn it upside down. A lawsuit can put you in the middle of an unjust battle that doesn't make any sense. Is God still good? Is he still good when you're sick? Is he still good when your marriage is struggling? Is he still good when your kids are going a certain way and you don't know why they're going that way? You thought you did a better job, you thought, and the enemy's got you all messed up. Is God still good in those seasons? Is he good when things don't make sense 
and when you can't see justice played out. The reality is this, our focus, somebody say focus. Our focus will determine how we feel about the goodness of God. Because whatever you focus is amplified. It gets bigger. It's magnified. That's why we're to magnify the Lord. Come magnify the Lord. Why? Because when you magnify the Lord, things get better. You see him. You see his beauty. You see his perfection. You see how awesome he is. You see he's able. And all of a sudden, the things that seem to be so big and so overwhelming and so like a wave going to take you down, those things become, begin to diminish because you see how good God is and how big he is. So here's what Asaph does. Um, because of what he's about to disclose in this song that's going to be sung by all the people, as a leader, he's like, you know what, I just got to start off with the conclusion of the thing. I'm going to go ahead and start off and let you know definitively, truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure, period. Now let's get real. Verse 2, but as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. Almost gone. Asaph, what are you talking about here? It's like I was on the edge, y'all. Crisis of belief was strong. It was so strong that I almost walked away. I almost lost faith. I almost gave up. I don't know if you're here this morning and you've ever walked through this kind of season, but I have. While leading worship in the church, while serving in the church, I grew up in this. And there's been times where, where I was pulled because my focus was not right. My focus was on the wrong things. I was allowing myself to get pulled away from the things that God had for me. So whether you're brand new to church or you're checking us out online today or, or you've been in this for a while, you might have had a crisis of faith like Asaph where what you always believed to be true, you begin to question. Because there's two realities that are presenting themselves. On one hand, you know God is good. You've, you've tasted of his goodness. You've experienced the goodness of God. But on the other hand, I'm struggling with what I'm seeing in this world. How many know what's going on in the world is pretty crazy? But since the beginning of time, we have wrestled with the problem of why does God allow bad things. Why does he permit evil things to happen? In the Old Testament, they had an even greater challenge because they didn't have a full revelation of eternity. They understood that there was life after death. There were, there were scriptures on that, but they didn't have the full revelation. That was given to us in the New Testament, in Jesus Christ, in the book of Revelation, and understanding what this is going to look like and what heaven's going to be like and all this. And so for them, their understanding was if you were a good person that followed the ways of Yahweh, you went to the, the temple to worship or the tabernacle to worship and you, and you did your sacrifices and you did what you were supposed to do and you were living righteously, then things should go well for you. But if you weren't living right and you were wicked, you were gonna get it. God was gonna wipe you out. You were gonna, you were gonna pay for it. But the problem was Asaph was seeing the opposite of this and it was messing with his faith. It was messing with his theology because what he believed was not being played out in front of them. We could say that this was the same kind of faith believed so strongly by Job's friends. You guys remember Job? 
right? Job in the Bible, if you've never heard the story, Job was very wealthy. He had kids. He had, he had all kinds of, he had cattle. He had land. He was wealthy. And, 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 and tragedy after tragedy was allowed to happen in his life to where he ended up sick, broke. His kids all died. His cattle all died. Everything was taken away except his nagging wife. Everything was taken away. And he ends up, he ends up in this situation where his friends come over to visit him, to console him. Job, what sins did you commit that brought this judgment upon your life? Thank you, guys. I really appreciate, I appreciate you coming over today. This, this is comforting my soul. How many have ever been comforted by somebody that wasn't so comforting? <laughs> well, what did you do wrong, right? We, we, we actually still think this sometimes. We actually still believe this sometimes, that, man, if you get sick or this tragedy happens or this happens, what did you do? And this was how it was in this time. Even in Jesus' day, I mean, Jesus heals somebody and, and they, bring, they bring a blind person and, and the disciples ask, who sinned? This man or his parents? That was like their, their go-to. Well, he must be blind because him and his parents sinned, Right? But Asaph was in this situation and he's seeing something that's contrary to what he believes. Verse three, for I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. I know it's wrong, God, but the more I see how the other side lives, the freedom that they seem to have, the, the parties that they seem to have, the blessings they seem to operate in, it really makes me doubt and question my faith. Why do some people have it so good? Why do they have it so easy? Have you ever felt like that? When you see others promoted even though they're wicked, mean, or devious, why do people seem to be successful who are manipulative or arrogant? For Asaph, his theology was being shaken to the core. Circumstances of life didn't match up with what he always believed to be true. Too many have fallen away from the faith because they simply cannot rationalize their current perspective on the world with God's word. Now I want you to know you are in a church that preaches God's word. We preach the word over opinions. We preach the word over cultural relevance. We preach the word because the word is unchanging, the word is unshaking. But what happens is people get into this place where they start to deconstruct because they, they start to get into their mind and they start to think, well, I'm not seeing things play out right, and so I, I wonder if what I've always believed is right. I wonder if what I've always believed is true. I wonder if that pastor, what that pastor said and what that church said. Now listen, we're, we're fallible. We're not infallible. Sometimes things are communicated in a way that, that that's, you know, maybe doesn't, isn't completely accurate. We're doing our best, but we are going to stand by what the Word says. And we're gonna stand by what God has spoken to us through his word. If he says it, I believe it. Because we just sang about it. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? So, he became jaded because he allowed his focus. Somebody say focus. He allowed his focus to be pulled to other things and other people's lives. And he began to envy when he compared his life and his journey and his sorrow and his pain with what other people were experiencing. Verse 4, it says this, they seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. You can see Asaph checking out the Instagram there, looking and seeing, oh my goodness, what is going on? They seem to be, they, they're doing pretty well. 
Okay, honest disclosure time. How many have ever looked up on social media somebody that you don't like and you're hoping that maybe they're not doing as well? Okay, I got one hand. Anybody, you bunch of liars. You, you, know, you know you, I wonder how they're doing now. Oh, they, they seem to be having a great time at the beach and drinking that latte. They um, look like they just got a new car. How wonderful for them. Asaph, they seem to live such painless lives. How many know what you see on there is not really real? You just see the highlight reel. People don't put their bad stuff on there. They don't put what's really going on. They put the smile on there. They, they, they position it because they, they want to project something, and we want to project a certain thing without getting real what's going on. Well, Asaph, seeing this, they don't have troubles like other people, especially not me. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear their pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know, they say? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Do you see where Asaph's focus is? Them, they, their hearts, their, their riches, they're so healthy, their bodies, they're this, they're that. The enemy will try to get you to, to do anything to get you to not focus on what you need to focus on. And if that's pulling you to, to comparisons, to looking at other people around you, to envying other people or wondering what's going on with that other business over there, why is their business prospering and my business isn't? Why, why, is, why is their marriage, they, what, what is going on? So he tries to pull our focus. Here's the deal. The wrong focus can lead us away from God and into deception. We can get a distorted view on what really is going on. Somebody say, fix your focus. Come on, Asa, fix your focus, man. What started as hatred from the way these people live turned into jealousy. This is such a weird thing to me. This is such a weird human thing that we do. On one hand, you can dislike something and hate it and be like, that's so bad. And on the other hand, you can feel your flesh being pulled towards it. It's a weird dichotomy. But he was starting to envy what he saw even though he knew it was wrong. James 3.16 talks about envy. And envy is very, very powerful. For where envy and self-seeking exist, self-seeking is just doing what I want to do, right? Whatever pleases my heart, whatever pleases my flesh. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. So if I allow envy in my life, I'm going to get muddled. The waters are going to get muddled, and I'm going to be confused, I'm gonna to start to, 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 to value things I shouldn't value rather than the king who wants to pull me out. Every evil thing, every evil thing, wow. So it's, it's kinda of like a domino effect of sin. When you begin to envy what somebody has, their looks, their possessions, their position, their family, whatever, it unlocks the door to all kinds of sin because now I want to look like that. And now, I, now I'm covetous. Now I'm greedy. Now I want more money. Now I want to have what they have. And I start to, you know, 
we start to go down a slippery slope. We look at what someone else has on, or their circumstances, and we desire it, the stuff that they have, the positions they have, the looks they have, the personality, the respect, popularity. It all seems like they have it really good. Envy is your flesh craving something. Giving in to envy is gratifying our flesh and it's the opposite of what we should be doing, which is putting to death the works of the flesh. Does that make sense? So envy is kind of like a magnet. So I'm supposed to be running this race by fixing my eyes on Jesus, right? I'm supposed to be running, but all of a sudden, I get pulled over here. Oh, I need to get back on track. I need to fix my eyes on Jesus. And I get pulled over here. And the longer I stay over in here, in this area, the longer I stay in no man's land, the longer that I start to magnify the things and, and, and the things around me rather than getting my eyes where I should, the, the worse my heart is gonna be, the more tainted my heart is gonna be. I'm gonna start to entertain things that I never thought I would entertain, and all of a sudden, I'm really off track. And the enemy loves that. But you know what? I'm, I'm so glad that you came to the house of the Lord this morning because you wanna fix your focus. Because from the very beginning, come on, give him praise. From the very beginning of the service, what do we begin with? Praise and worship. What does that do? Fixes my focus. I gotta get my eyes on Jesus. I gotta get my eyes on, I gotta lift up my eyes above the present circumstances of life. As long as I stay down here, as long as the enemy's got me here, and I'm walking through life like this, I can't see the victory. I can't see eternity. I can't see the freedom he's got for me. But when I come and I begin to worship and I begin to lift up my hands, I begin to lift up my countenance to heaven, then help starts to come. Victory starts to come. Life starts to come because it's in the presence of the Lord. There's a story of an eagle, a little fable here. One of the eagles could outfly the other eagle. Oh, he was, he was much more impressive. The other eagle didn't like it. So the envious eagle saw a sportsman, and he said to him, I wish you would bring down that eagle. The sportsman replied that he would, if he only had some feathers to put on his arrow. So the eagle pulled one out of his wing, and he gave it to him. The arrow was shot, but it didn't quite reach the rival eagle. He was flying too high. So the envious eagle, man, Frustrated, pulled out more feathers, pulled out more feathers, and he kept pulling them out until he had lost so many that he couldn't fly. So the sportsman then turned and killed him. The envy of the eagle caused his own downfall. Even so, envy can cause us to stumble and fall if we're not careful. Envy can cause you to be frustrated at God that he didn't make you right that he didn't put you in the right family, that he didn't give you the right parents, that he didn't give you the right amount of money. Envy can cause you to be frustrated at the, the justice and the character of God. He doesn't take care of you like he takes care of other people, and it leads to a victim mentality. Why aren't doors opening for me? Why is life so hard? And if you're in that mental space, you will lead to a place of discontentment in life and ultimately frustration with God that he didn't deal you a better hand. If 
It causes you to question the character of God. Do you see the slippery slope? How it can start from just diverting your attention off the Lord and to this place where now I'm starting to fall, I'm starting to fall, I'm starting to fall. So today, if you find yourself slipping, or maybe you, as I'm talking, the Holy Spirit's starting to bring things up. So I say, you know what? Hey, there's, there's, there's this thing you've been doing. It's amazing how, how you can get a game on your phone and you realize you just spent like three hours playing this ridiculous game and, and, and you get to the point in the game where they want you to pay for stuff. I didn't want to pay for things. I got a free app. I just want to do the free. And you, and you literally wait for the next day because they'll give you more like tokens or something. I don't know, whatever. There's so many ridiculous things that will pull your attention away. And God has so much more for his people. He has so much more for you. He has so much, he has dreams that he wants to bring up in your life. And some dreams are dormant right now in your life because you've gotten off focus. Today, you need to fix your focus. Look where he got to, verse 13. So he went from they to now, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. <laughs> wow. Pity party. Hold on, leader of Israel. Asaph, that is too far, my friend. That's traitorous thoughts at heart. But he's so torn up and consumed by what he sees that he blames God for it. Like God is personally afflicting him or even chastening him with difficulties. So when our focus is wrong, we perceive the world around us incorrectly and get our eyes on the reality of what's, get our eyes off of the reality of what's really going on. So he went from they to, did I keep my heart? Did I do this for nothing? Did I come to church for nothing? Did I serve for nothing? It's a pity party of doubt and it begins to dominate. Verse 15. He says this, if I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. I want you to notice something that Asaph's teaching us as a leader right here. He's teaching us that there is a healthy way to vent our frustrations. There is a healthy way. Now, he's big enough to handle every question you have. He's big enough to walk with you through every season of doubt and discouragement and whatever's going on. He is big enough to handle that. But what happens is if we start to blast what we're thinking and feeling on social media, on Facebook, we start to complain, we start to put things out there, you cannot retract that. You cannot get it back. So I want to tell you right now that Ace is saying, if I had really spoken these things, in other words, he kept it to himself and then he took it to the Lord. He was struggling, that was real, but he dealt with it in the right way. So we need to vent first and foremost to the Lord, and then God gives us godly confidants that aren't gonna join in with where we're at, but gonna give us godly counsel and prayer. That's the way to go. It's okay to have questions and doubts, but we need to deal with them in the right way. Listen, you may be walking through a season, but don't stay there. You may be walking in a valley, but don't park there, don't set up tent there. The only way you're going to get to where you need to go is by fixing your focus. Amen? Verse 16, so I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. So Asaph right here, he goes to his intellect. This is the next step. A lot of us will go to our intellect. What's going on, God? Well, I'll just try to figure it out. I'll try to do some research. But this is not a philosophical question on life. This is not something that you can unravel. 
As a matter of fact, there's a scripture that says, don't trust in your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. If you want to be more jacked up than you already are, lean on your understanding. Try to figure it out. Right? Right, Jason? Try to figure out why your house burnt down. Try to figure it out. He said, I tried to figure it out, but it was a difficult task. Verse 17. Here's our verse. But then... I went into your sanctuary, oh God. I was messed up, but then I found myself in the house of the Lord. I went to the house of the Lord. That's why you got up and got pretty and got to the house of the Lord this morning, because you knew that you need to get into the presence of God. Listen, and he, he didn't just walk through the doors and bippity-boppity, he's good. He walked in, he worshiped. He worshiped. He worshiped. Some of you need to learn how to worship. If you need to fix your focus, you need to learn how to worship God, not just on Sundays. Worship the king. He heard the word, and he was, he was responding to the word of God. And here's what happened. I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Oh my goodness, light bulb. I understood what was going on. I was walking in deception, and now I'm here in the house of the Lord. It's so important that we don't neglect meeting together in the house of the Lord. Now listen, this, this is important, and we should do this, but you know you can run to the presence of God any day. Any moment of any day, you can come and get your focus fixed. You need to fix your focus. If you feel yourself start falling, fix your focus. If you start to get off and you realize that, oh, the Holy Spirit starts to move on you, that is not the time to ignore the Holy Spirit. That's the time to come back because he's trying to help you. You came this morning to fix your focus and get an eternal perspective. Victory is in your focus. Colossians 3, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights, set your focus on the realities of heaven. Where Christ sits at the right hand of the Father, this is what we gotta do. When you find yourself in that place where you're frustrated at work and you're frustrated in your marriage and you're frustrated with what's going on, what do you need to do? Set your sights on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father because you know what you're gonna see there? You're gonna see yourself because you and I are seated with him in heavenly places. So you're gonna realize that I'm an eagle. I was meant to soar up here, not, not waddle down on the ground. Hebrews 12, one and two says, let us run this race. This, this is gonna tell us how we need to do life right here. Let us run this race with endurance. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Somebody say, keep your eyes on Jesus. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. So what did he do? He modeled this for us because of the joy awaiting him. The way that you're gonna get through your present trial is by seeing the joy on the other side of it, seeing the eternal, eternal perspective on the other side of it. If you got your eyes down, if your focus is being pulled to all kinds of things and those things are milling around in your spirit, you've gotta fix your focus, get your eyes on the eternal perspective. The only successful way to live life is by fixing our eyes on Jesus. It's the only way. There's no other way that's gonna, gonna reach where you wanna go. Thank you, Jesus, for leading the way in us in this. Ah, he had the right focus for the future, didn't he? And because he saw the future, which is you and I, 
he was able to endure the present. You may be in a good place right now and things are going well, but, but there may come a day when you are faced with something that hits you so hard and shakes you to your core. And then I hope you remember what I'm talking about today. And you run into the presence of God. You run into the courts of the Lord and you begin to worship. You know, the enemy fights against you worshiping so hard because in the presence of the Lord, Psalm 1611, says there's fullness of joy. How many could use some joy? Where are you going to get it? In the presence of the Lord, right? Where are you going to get strength? It's in the presence of the Lord. Where are you going to get peace? In the presence of the Lord. Everything we need we find in the presence of the Lord. In the presence of the Lord, envy, comparison, complaining, bitterness, resentment, hurt, they all begin to diminish when we see him. That's exactly what happened for Asaph. He began to see the reality of where the path of the wicked led. The blinders were pulled off. Verse 18, truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. Just a moment ago, a few verses earlier, he was the one slipping. And now in the presence of the Lord, he realizes, God, they're slipping. Their path is the path to destruction. Verse 19, in an instant they are destroyed and completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. Not only did he see the way the wicked were headed, but he saw himself in the presence of God. This is a beautiful thing that happens. God begins to take these layers off. When you come into his presence, whatever's tried to get on you, whatever's trying to hold you down, whatever's trying to muddle your spirit, it begins to come off. And all of a sudden you realize I'm freer than I was. I, I, I'm freer than I was. I'm, I'm a little lighter than I was. I'm not carrying the, the burdens that I was. And then all of a sudden I can see myself clearer. God, my heart was wicked. God, my heart was tore up. I realized my heart was bitter and tore up inside me. Has anybody ever come into the presence of the Lord and he, he lovingly begins to draw you back to himself and you have a revelation. It's not like a condemning thing. It's this revelation of, oh God, you're pulling my heart back to you, back to center, back to center. If you're off center day, we're gonna fix the focus. Okay? If you feel like you've been pulled, the love of God is here. He's going to help us fix our focus. He's going to begin to reveal. Maybe even right now you have some things that God is bringing to your mind that he's going to begin to pull out and say, you know what? You don't need to watch that anymore. You don't need to do that anymore. That coworker that you've been, you, you're kind of, you're, you're too enamored. You're too, you're too focused on their life. You're too pulled aside by what they're doing. Come on, I, I want you to focus on me. I've got a plan for you. I've got a plan for you. I've got a path for you. I've got some dreams that, that need to happen through your life. I, I've got a touch on your life. I've got a call on your life. He said, I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. He saw God's consistent love for him no matter what. Listen, today our hearts are revealed in his presence. And that sweet conviction comes. It's a good thing. And in verse 23, he says this. Yet I still belong to you. 
no matter how far you run, you still belong to him. No matter how far you slip and fall, you still belong to him. No matter how far off track you may get, you still belong to the Father in heaven who says, come, come on. Come on, my son. Come on, my daughter. I don't care what you've done. I don't care the doubts that you had, but let me just bring you back to truth now. Let me, let me bring you back to center. Let me bring you back to where you need to be operating. You, you, let me bring you back to where I created you to live, and that was in my presence. Because I'm going to show you who you are. And then you'll stop wondering about what somebody else is doing. You'll stop worrying that you don't have what you need. I've given you everything that you need. Your hair color, your eye color, your height, your weight, your family, your, your financial status, everything that you need. You belong to him. And he says, you hold me by my right hand. No matter the questioning, no matter the doubts, God is so gracious to still call us his own, isn't he? Isn't he wonderful? No matter how far you've gone, he still loves you. Verse 24, he says, you guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Now I can see. Now I can see where you're taking me, God. God, I'm sorry that I got off track, but now I can see. I'm recentered. My focus has been fixed. I've got a glorious destiny. I've got, my name is written in heaven. And he goes on and says, who, who have I in heaven but you? I desire, I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail. Yeah, I may go through, through a challenging time. I may have to go through a challenging season. My spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Can somebody give him praise this morning? We're gonna close service. Um, if you know this song, we're gonna sing it together. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And in this moment, I just want you to make an altar where you're at um, as we sing this together a couple times. And then I've got a couple other things we're gonna talk about before we leave today. But let's sing this together. Turn your eyes and turn your
Father, we thank you, God, for your presence this morning in this house. God, we thank you, Lord, that you are helping us right now to fix our focus and fix our eyes upon you.